It's another episode of the Imbalance History of Rock and Roll. I'm Ray Coob. I'm Marcus Goldman. And today we help to celebrate the 50th anniversary of a great band, Marcus. And like so many celebrations of 50 or 30 years in the last year, year and a half, this one got delayed by the COVID reality that we've been facing for a while. But they have the CD, DVD, Blu-ray out of their 50th anniversary concert. It's a beautiful package. And I want to get all into talking about it. And here to talk with us about that is the voice of Renaissance, my friend Annie Haslam. I'm here, live in person still. <laughs> I survived. <laughs> well... That's what it was all about when you decided to delay the 50th celebration. Uh, uh, but but the album and the package is done. Uh, tell people how they can get this beautiful box set, Renaissance 50th Anniversary, uh, Ashes Are Burning. It's a concert. It's done locally at the Keswick Theater, one of the yeah. most beautiful theaters in our area. Yeah. On the frontier And tell people how they can get your uh, wonderful yeah, work. Um, they can actually go to um, our website, renaissancetouring.com, and we have a store there, and you can buy it from the store. And um, I will sign it if you wish. Um, and I think you can and download it as well. I don't know any of how that stuff works, but, I mean, as far as... You know, not buying the, the actual physical, you know, you can download it, whatever you do. Technology has been something that a lot of artists who've been around for more than a few minutes need to catch up on as part, just part of, you know, being a, in a band these days. Um, also, uh, part of the reality is dealing with um, what's been going on with delays and tours and tour dates and sometimes with releases, too because of the COVID, how are you doing? Because we don't live that far away from each other. And uh, I just always wonder how my neighbors are doing. Yeah, I, I thought of you actually um, as well, because, I, you know, when I've spoke to people, away, radio people, whatever, and I, you know, Ray just lives down the road from me. Um, and also, you know, a friend of mine called Bob Miles, who's a jazz guitarist. I think you went to school with him. Wow, yes. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute, with, from the back of the brain, here it comes. Yeah, I was there with him a couple of days ago, and I, I said, I was doing this. He said, oh, I know. He's got this amazing, really interesting, I want to hit him sometimes, but nearly everything that comes out of his mouth is funny. So you never know whether what how to take it, you know. And I said, I'm doing this interview with, with you, and he said, I know him, I went to school with him. And I thought, yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny, though, and, and you've noticed this, I know, because – uh, British humor is a little more cheeky, a little, a little more dry at times. And sometimes American humor is like in your face and, you know, you know, and a lot more uh, upfront or abrasive. <laughs> yeah. English humor is very rude, actually, to be honest. If you um, get it. it, a lot of it. Uh, as you can tell when if ever you speak to Rick Waitman, you know. Or Steve um, Howe. Believe it or not, Steve Howe once put me in that, uh, in that place, too. Oh, and I went. You? It was one of those things where it was like I felt like I was being scolded by the smart school teacher, you know, like the professor was putting me in my place. And I look and I went, wait a minute. But no, he he's funny. He is funny, too. But Wakeman may be the funniest guy in that. Box. I went out to dinner with him and Ed Sharkey uh, when they uh, uh, Rick was playing at. Oh, gosh, uh, I think it was a chestnut cabaret in, in mm -hmm. Philly. 
and and he was playing with his son Adam. That would have been in the nineties, I would say, because I took oh. my ex-husband, and um, we um, decided uh, Rick had the time for us to go for an Indian meal with with us, but Adam didn't, but Rick did, and I thought this is going to be interesting because my my ex Mark was not a prude, but he wasn't rude like me. You know, I wasn't <laughs> rude. <laughs> I mean, I've got that similar. I can't help it. You know, my dad was an amateur comedian singer, and and, and I I love to laugh and I like to shock people because they think that I'm you know I'm a, an angel because of my voice, and then I'll come out right. with. Some- and they'll go. What did you just say? <laughs> we had, yeah, we had, uh, we had dinner with Rick, and oh god, it was so funny, nonstop, nonstop. And I, I, I could feel my my ex Mark, you know, sitting there. I mean, he laughed, but it was like a nervous laugh. Like, is, am I really hearing this? You know, really rude, you know. But I loved it, and so did Ed. You know, great, great meal as well, because most English people like Indian food. Well, you've given me a lot to unpack right there. First, you mentioned Mark. Is he the way that you ended up your relationship? Is he the way you ended up moving to the Philadelphia area and then settling in Bucks County? Yeah, that's how I ended up. I I live with him, um, yeah, in uh, North Wales area. Yeah, not far from here. Yeah, uh, and and. Uh, he and his family were wonderful. They, they they got me when I had breast cancer. They were, you know, just a wonderful, wonderful support. And I love them to bits, but it, it didn't work out with Mark and I. But we remained friends. Well, the other part that you, you bring up is Ed Shockey, who some of our listeners do know because we've talked about Ed a few times. He was a disc jockey in Philadelphia. He started at WDAS. Actually, he started at WRTI, the jazz station, when he was in college. I don't know if it was jazz back then, Annie. But uh, and and he worked at WMMR and he was part of when Q102 became a rock station for a number of years. And that is what leads around to our first intersection. The first time I saw Renaissance. Do you remember? Did I tell you where that was? I'm not sure. night free concert sponsored by q102 with renaissance you took over those fifty thousand souls for a couple hours there you guys just totally ruled well we got we got the overflow didn't we from the rolling stones concert yeah you know what you might... that's what happened yeah it was like we were because we were right by the Moshaloo. the Moshaloo, you know that yeah the, the ship that stairs a restaurant and um, I remember we, the, the police were on horseback, which was I thought was really exciting, you know. <laughs> and, uh, but the, there was, it was so crowded that the tour manager had to carry me through. The, wow. I couldn't walk. He had to carry me because he was a, there were so many people to get through and everything. But, I'll tell you how crowded it was. I was in the crowd about halfway back with my friends, right? 
and people were trying to get a good look once the show started and they had porta potties back there and there were people who were standing on top of the porta potties for a vantage point all i'm going to say is a couple of them bent and one of them the guy went straight through so i don't even know what happened in there i don't either but that was what was going on out there well, that's all another of- claim to fame for me <laughs> somebody standing on the toilet to watch me yeah, uh, lou divers wow that was so memorable through the years you have held that power and that range but i will never forget the moment when you dug down for that note at the end of ashes are burning and the 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 disco ball spinning slowly the whole oh man it was an energy that you get only from one of those great outdoor free concerts. And I wanted to thank you for that here in front of everybody and God. <laughs> it's funny because I guess as you get, I, I didn't think that I'd still be singing now. You know, I didn't think back then, but but looking back and then, you know, doing interviews and there's interest again, because I guess people didn't have a lot to, well, they stayed at home and they were searching all kinds of things. And that's when they, they were re-finding re, re all these bands they used to watch. And um, and then I, I've just been listening to some of the stuff, like the song of Scheherazade. And and it brings me to tears because I think, my God, did we do that? It's brilliant, you know. <laughs> It, yes, the, you did. And the Carnegie Hall live version is unbelievable. It's like, wow. Marcus, she's just realizing this. They recorded this, what was that? Was that 76 you recorded Carnegie Hall? And, and she's just realizing how great it is now. Four years before that, we were slugging up and down the motorway, playing at all these different pubs and clubs and things, and playing in Wolverhampton and me changing in the toilets. Uh-huh. And four years later, we're in Carnegie Hall. So, Annie, during the pandemic, you said you revisited some of your older music. What was it like going back with a whole different perspective on it? And did you hear it differently? I did, funnily enough. Absolutely, almost like you're listening listening to it for the first time, actually. I think that when we were going through it, you know, the, the best time, well, I mean, as far as uh, uh, notoriety and uh, was like from 73 when we first came over here till about 79, I would say, something like that. But I was thinking about that the other day because I found some rehearsal tapes from the 70s. There's a, there's some, I, I'd love to do something with them, but there's a few flying words, if you know what I mean, in there and everything. But really, it was never difficult. It was all, always like a natural progression from one album to another. We didn't think, oh, we've got to do this for this song. We got it. Just was it, it is it's similar to, to my painting. It just pours out, and that's what it did with the band. It just poured out, and so when I listen to it now, because uh, I've started putting things on Facebook more and, and saying, do you remember this one? And I just put, can you hear me call your name up there? Do you remember that one? And uh, it had like 954 likes in a couple of days or whatever. And I thought, mm. wow, you know, oh, and, but then I listened to it and then it, and I just get choked up. Come along with me Down into the world of seeing Come and you'll be free Take the time to find the feeling See everything on its own I 
think when you're going through something like that and it's so fast and you're you're touring and then you're recording and then it just it, it, it's non-stop uh, and maybe because I would say the guys probably thought differently because I didn't write music. I helped with vocal arrangements, so I never got to the side of creating the music. Like Michael was the main songwriter, there's no doubt, Betty Thatcher, mm-hmm. but also John Camp and Terry Sullivan and John Tout, of course, were as well. So, but I, I was, you know, I used to, to go to rehearsals and sit and listen and think, wow, you know, with my cup of tea and... <laughs> <laughs> Everything flowed into one like one album into the next, and they seemed to get better. And we didn't try to do anything different; it, they just evolved naturally. You know, the sad thing is, we never we should have filmed it, and we should have filmed the Royal Albert Hall. And it wasn't done because mm. that would have been the icing on the cake. You know, for for the memories to see the band back then. I I, I love the music. I, I never get tired of singing it. I never will until I pop off. That's I won't just pop off in, during the interview. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, no, don't, don't even you dare joke about that because <laughs> people know, that's her humor what about that's that her publicity humor. oh god the follow-ups would be amazing pop off all you Th- want think of the digital yeah. sales yeah and you were the one who announced it Amy Aslam just died race from the sunlight Waking his mind and his heart to this new day, and then he connected to light a <laughs> oh my. That's like a so Monty much for trying to do joke. a straightforward interview with a friend, right? You can't do it. I know. Not with me, no way. <laughs> well, the last time I saw you was at the retirement of another good friend, our mutual friend, Debbie Cowton. She retired from middays at WMGK here in Philadelphia uh, a while back now, like over a year and a half ago. And I didn't realize once we got into the pandemic mode, it's like time kind of slowed down, you know, everything. <laughs> So, but it seems like not that long ago, but it's been uh, a year over a year and a half. I know so. we're waiting for the vaccinations to come along, and we're thinking we're not go- that we're not going to get those for another nine months or a year or whatever. And, and then all of a sudden, it seemed to go very quickly, didn't it? Yeah. Mind you, that could have something to do with one's age. I learned so many things about you guys. I I've been a Renaissance fan since the seventies, including the fact that you guys were on the Mike Douglas show, which was produced here in Philadelphia. Do you remember that? Yes, because he was very nice. And also Twiggy was on the same show, wasn't she? 
I don't know. I wasn't there. <laughs> Gosh, that I must have been cool. What, you mean you weren't born then? Uh, I was born, but I wasn't watching Mike that day. Okay. Yeah. Um, Twiggy was on the show. She was very nice. Because um, I had a great picture of me and her holding this baby lion or something. It was so it was tiger. I'm not sure, but it was it was lion or tiger. I wanted to talk a little bit about the early days and how you guys, your version of Renaissance, which is the most well-known, came together. I think it was our first interview, Marcus, with Jim McCarty. It was. And we were and we were covering the Yardbirds family tree, and while we were doing that, we realized that Renaissance was a big part of the outcroppings of the family tree of the Yardbirds, and, and obviously uh, the Ralphs and Jim uh, were part of the original lineup. Yeah, well, of course, Jim was at my audition. What a great guy. He's come full circle because he's on this uh, our anniversary DVD. Yeah, I, when I joined the band, it was a five-piece band. John Tout was in it, Michael Dunford, a guy called Terry Crow, who was the singer. He was also a panel beater. That was his job. You know, it, car restoring or whatever. You call it a panel beater. Ah. And I don't know, it sounds awful, doesn't it? He, yeah, he, he beat panels. No, he's a panel beater. And then there was, uh, who was the bass player? I think he was called Neil Corner and Terry Slade on drums. So they asked me to sing Island. Just knew as soon as I walked in. I felt it immediately that I was going to be part of the band, even before I sang, because I could feel it in the air. And I was wearing this long tapestry Bieber coat that was, you know, that's what you wore in those days. And I had a dress to the floor. I had part, my hair parted in the middle and long, you know. And um, I, they just asked me to sing Island and I got it. And I could see the faces, you know, like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> there is an tell me now but they didn't i got a call the next morning you know i got the job that's kind of cool though to to be invited into this thing and then one by one they go off and do other things yeah. and you guys kind of pulled together was it hawken that left and then well, no, came I, in? I don't know what happened beforehand but when i joined that that was the lineup it, jim and keith were just involved in overseeing what was going on and maybe adding songs which you know john uh, jim wrote things I don't understand, you know, he, he's, he's a really good songwriter as well. Mm -hmm. But, and, and there was an interim album that was out before I joined right. with a singer called Binky. It, it, it was different. It was nothing like what, when we all came together with, you know, um, John Camp, Terry Sullivan, and jo John and Mickey were still there. It was the five of us. That's, that was the nucleus that that was the, the start of the, you know, it was just our energy together and it, it created that amazing sound. It did. And, yeah. and it, and it led to one of the 
I would say great runs, if you want to call it that, in the 1970s, it kind of shifted in the, uh, the from its initial focus, kind of different people coming in, and, and it became your band, not you personally, but you guys, yeah. you, 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 the yeah, four or five quite, of you. Yeah, there were quite a few people that came in and out, different drummers, and we were with the John Sherry Agency, and they, um, Wishbone Ash were with them, at that point, I think they just bring Ed Bicknell was our agent. Of course, Ed Bicknell uh, ended up managing Dire Straits. Um, I don't know if you've ever met Ed. Um, no. uh, another f- extremely funny man. Yeah, I always remember really funny people. <laughs> he's a good, he's a good friend. He's still a good friend. But um, so we were with him as an agent agency, uh, a John Sherry agency. He was our agent mainly, Ed to start with. And then Miles Copeland came into the picture. Um, We were still working uh, with different musicians like Terry Slade or whoever it was. There's so many changes. I wish I remember the day when when it was said, actually, but and where it was. But there's, there's so much that's gone on in my life. I can't remember every detail, but he decided that he the band had to change. And uh, so he fired everybody except myself and John Tout. Hmm. And um, and then he we kept Michael Dunford on as songwriter. As John Camp moved, uh, you know, joined and Terry joined um, later on, uh, then they wrote some things as well, you know. But mainly that I would say that the main songwriter was always Michael, uh, but with everybody else added on, you know. Uh, you, you have to give them credit because a lot of people think it was just Mickey and Betty and it wasn't. So that's what happened. Miles Copeland, really. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you about. He is one of the great characters in rock and roll, behind the scenes in rock and roll. What were your impressions of him as manager? And obviously he had his plan and and he puts it into play. But what were your personal impressions of him? I remember I I went on a a few dates with Ed, Ed, actually, uh, for a bit. And um, and then he he took me to a party at, at Miles's house. Um, in where was it at St John's Wood mm-hmm. and uh, that's when I met Miles anyway he took me to the party uh, and and I stayed and you stayed yeah. I stayed <laughs> I, let, I let Ed go home and I stayed <laughs> how funny I mean um, I did love Miles I mean he, he's a real character oh my god is he a character he's brilliant he's a brilliant man but he, he, he's, you know, he, he's a handful. I'm a handful, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a nutcase. I'm more of a nutcase than he is. I've got people that are like Ed's a, a nutcase, you know. Oh, my. Um, and, uh, but, yeah, Miles was, I think he was brilliant, brilliant, brilliant man. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Um, I think he, you know, sometimes, because he's, he's, he sounds very gruff just the way his personality is, you know, so you think he rubbed, might have rubbed people up the wrong way. Uh, well, secretly. that's what I was thinking, because he had that kind of an edge well, to him. Right. And, you're, and you're, you're more proper. Uh, and so I just wanted to see how that worked together well, you know? it, worked, it worked because we were opposite you know really it was it was an interesting combination and uh but he's the one who who, who changed it all over i mean if it hadn't been for miles it probably wouldn't happen we don't know you know you never know what the future would have held mm-hmm. but he's the one who got uh, you know who put the new band together and i think that terry came in and i was told afterwards that uh 
jumped up, really liked him even before he played, right? Sometimes you know, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so he, apparently he took him on, over one side and he said, look, if you can do this, this drum bit here that's really fast, if you can do that, you're going to get the job. And so he really, he he did it and, and really concentrated and got the job. Cool. But he was perfect because his drumming is not over. It's not loud. It, it, it just, it's like, he's like an orchestra drummer, really. You know what I mean? Rather than a rock drummer. I would never, I would never class him as a rock drummer. I think it was always softer and was the best drummer ever we've had, you know, except for Jim, of course. Sorry, Jim, but. Our guest is Annie Haslam of Renaissance. We're talking about their 50th anniversary box set. It's got a double CD, DVD, and Blu-ray, and it comes in a beautiful box set. Like we were talking about earlier, it shows all the different phases of their music. There's only one thing that I, I wish was on here, and you can't put it all on, Annie, and that's uh, one of my favorites, which is Mother Russia. DVD that we did in 2017 also at the Keswick called A Symphonic Journey was the first time that we put our own orchestra together and I had all my paintings in the background, you probably noticed them. And um, we did Mother Russia then. So we felt like, we, you know, we, we, we only had a certain length of time to, to do on this, uh, on, on, on the DVD. We thought, well, we, we really should do Running Hard because that's not on the other one, you know what I mean? So it was very difficult to choose because there's right. so many and they're all long. You know, they take up a lot of space. That's the problem. Coming back to talk more about the 50th anniversary box set and the music of Renaissance next on the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll. Ah, the taste of Crooked Eye. It's like coming home for the holidays, man. And by the way, it'll be the holidays before you know it, Marcus. Getting into the fall season, and so the brews change and some different things appear on the board. Hey, there's a lot going on, and as always, the best way to find out what's happening at the brewery location in Hapro is on their Facebook. But one thing you know is there's the Blues Jam every Wednesday night hosted by the Crooked Soul Band. And I've been noticing a lot of new names and a lot of new acts appearing recently at Crooked Eye. So go in and see who's playing this weekend. And don't forget, if you're in Delco, Jamie's House of Music is a place where you can get Crooked Eye beers as well. Fresh brews, PA spirits, and wine, as well as all the fun of the music at both Jamie's House of Music and at the brewery location in Hatboro. Crooked Eye Brewery, right in the heart of Hatboro, pouring the cure for what ails you since 2014. Pantheon Podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. 
with Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Unbalanced or imbalanced? Imbalanced with an I. <laughs> although we are, although we are unbalanced. <laughs> yeah, totally. Many can relate. Um, we are back, continuing our conversation with Annie Haslam of Renaissance, and there's so much to go over. We're going to go over her music, her albums, and more about the history of the band. And my next question for you, Annie, is John Wetton played bass with the band for like six, seven months before he left in 71, 72, while you were in the process of forming that lineup that really did some great stuff together. Did he leave for King Crimson or did he leave because he didn't fit with the uh, groove of the band like chemistry wise? Well, I think that John actually only did four shows with us. It was it was in one tour, I think. We, we knew that he wasn't going to stay with us uh, because it, it, it wasn't really his scene, but he was brilliant. He fitted in fantastic and he was very good looking. And um, <laughs> Handsome man indeed. Oh, he was a looking gorgeous looking man uh, and I always I mean he's a great bass player but I think his voice you know we ended up singing together you know that song uh, Blood Silver Light Moonlight yeah and that's one thing I always and I'm so glad that that happened a stranger came who knew my name glowing with light Out He whispered a word that stirred my mind. Then I was sure I'd seen him before. Let's dance. Yeah, he was with us, um, and then I think he moved on to Uriah Heep before King Crimson, and I, and he also played violin. I bet a lot of people didn't, didn't know that unless they know his real, you know, the, all the history. And then, of course, he had UK and then Asia. Yes. You know, which was the big one with all the hits. And yeah. Everything. One of the more underappreciated talents of his time in UK 
when he was in the band, also played oh, one of those free band landing concerts. Yes. Wow. Man, I tell you what, Ed really put on a lot of help put on a lot of free concerts for us back in those days. Yeah. He really did. Well, the station did, sure. I know, but it was yeah, but it was really Ed. <laughs> <laughs> he had the connections, you know. You know what? There's nobody on this planet that has a radio voice like Ed. Mylon Curtin from Billy Joel at WIOQ. Is this rolling? Now we're just getting set up here. All right. Anybody listen to this interview? Ed Shockey is bomb out of his mind. <laughs> I had a little wine. Little so wine. Take it all with a grain of salt. Okay. Wait a sec. What are you doing? He goes to turn down the lights. Dim the lights. Oh. Give me a level there on you if I can get it. By order, Samalingas through September. July and August cannot be too hot. And there's a legal limit to the snow here. In Camelot. Okay. That's great. On location with Billy Joel talking about the new album. What what was the name of that silly album anyway? Oh, the Nylon Curtain. As we look out upon the... Uh, there aren't even any stars in the sky. It's missing. In Long Island, right. The last studio album was Glass Houses. A little bit of trepidation there at the beginning because it was a little different. Yeah, but that it wasn't that different to me because I've said I've told you, you this before. Yeah. We always wanted to put out something different. Not just for the sake of doing something different, but for our own enjoyment. We don't want to do the same thing twice. And he loved the fans. And, you know, I, sometimes if, I'm, if I go to a concert and I start swaying a certain way, I think, oh, God, Ed, it's Ed. Stop m- pushing me forward, you know. And I'm doing like he did because he, he was always, you know, he was always into it. So. Wow. I always know when he's around. He was my constant buddy. You know, yes. we used to go to concerts when Judy Judy didn't want to go. I I went with both of them sometimes, but it said Judy doesn't want to go. Do you want to come? And I, yes, please. You know, and that's great times. You know? <laughs> yeah. He's one friend who would probably be having the hardest time dealing with COVID and the lack of oh, concerts because he lived at shows. Yeah, it, it would have been difficult for him. Was he there right at the beginning supporting you guys like on on uh, Prologue and, and all the stuff uh, from the beginning of your joining the band? I joined the band 71 and in 72, which is when we recorded Prologue uh, in England, of course, um, Miles was bringing over Wishbone Ash to America. They were doing a tour and he brought me on, on the tour. You know, just to, to you know, his girlfriend, and uh, but when we got to Philadelphia, uh, um, I think Prologue had just come out, and it was the timing was good, and so they got me this interview with Ed Sharkey. It was my first radio interview ever in my life. Wow, did yeah. not know that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. 
but I remember he said something, it, it upset me a bit, but it doesn't upset me now because I, I, I wore a denim shirt and I thought, I've got to wear a denim shirt because it looks American, you know. <laughs> <laughs> don't know why, but, you know, I was just getting right. used to coming over and everything. And mm-hmm. so what, one of the first things he said, why are you wearing a work shirt? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, welcome to America and 93. Why are you wearing a work shirt? (laughs) (laughs) I cried, I don't know. Oh, God. But I loved him straight away. You know, we became very friendly, you know, with Judy and and Monica. And it just, uh, it was great. Yeah, then that was the first album. That's my first experience. The first interview was about Prologue. And, and that album we did, um, we brought into the band. We'd already got John Camp, we got uh, John Town. We decided um, to put a guitarist in. In fact, it was when we were looking for a guitarist, it, you know, it, and we looked for somebody who played electric guitar rather than acoustic. So Rob Hendry came into the band. But before that, we did find an acoustic guitarist called Mick Parsons. He, he was wonderful. He was a lovely young guy, good-looking, brilliant singer. Um, every, he had everything. He had a lovely personality, brilliant guitarist. And um, he had a, an accident um, when he went down to Cornwall to see his parents and say goodbye to his friends because he was coming back up to London to... Uh, with Miles and I, actually, we, we all went down and then we were going to bring him back and he was going to stay with us for a while while we were rehearsing and he, he had a car accident and died. He died. We had to carry on and that's when we brought in another guitarist um, and who was Rob Hendry and basically he was just an electric guitarist and, and he's, on, he's actually on the album Prologue. Um, but This after- is a time, though, when, when, when real life was intruding into rock and roll as a way where a band early in their year, you have to deal with things that you don't expect and you're yeah. younger, young people. Yeah, so your experience that you may have now to deal with these things wasn't there. And, and I, I can hear it. I can hear it in your voice. Oh, it's awful. Yeah, yeah, it was awful. And um, because he, he was, he looked, he, he, something about him. He was a star. This guy, if somebody had seen him, you know, like some manager, like a great manager or whatever, there the mm. were somewhere around at that time, they would have snapped him up straight away because he just had everything, this guy. And it was all taken away. He was only like 20-something. Um, so many uh, sad stories in the 60s and yeah. 70s, uh, history of rock and roll about great talented people that end up not making it to their 30s or, yeah. or 40s. Yeah. And then so Rob joined... And um, you're a popular girl today. Do they know you're on the radio? I've unplugged. unplugged. There's something going on because I've unplugged the phone from the wall. Why is it still ringing? (laughs) I don't know. It's ridiculous. I have weird things happen in this house. You wouldn't believe. I mean, I've got a long list, but. Has M. Night Shyamalan ever made a movie there that could explain it? No. Okay. No. (laughs) No, no, there's, there's always. There's, there's always something happening here, but um, I think probably Terry would know. Terry had a better because he was in the band then. Would have had a better memory of it, but for some reason we decided that we we were going to take the the electric guitar out of the mix and bring back Mickey and the acoustic guitar, and that's what softened the sound. That's what that's how that started with the the different sound. It changed it again. 
So if you listen to Prologue, you'll notice that some of it's heavy, like Raja Khan. And somebody said to me the other day, could you tell me what Raja Khan's about? I said, yeah, it was Danny McCulloch's dog. He was one of the, he was one of the bass players. And, and yeah. it's just where it comes from sometimes, things uh, like isn't that. Isn't that weird? And I remember when he was in the back, and this is the weirdest thing, some of the things that we did in that period when we were changing all over, not quite, not floundering, but kind of, we didn't have our feet then, you know, it, it was weird. We were playing, we had shows, you know, we were getting the shows, but they said, let's, let's do a different, uh, let's do uh, Walking the Dog for an encore. I, I sang Walking the Dog. Oh, I wish there was tape of that. So do I, and I wish it. I wish <laughs> I, I'm just wondering if it was me or somebody else singing it, but I think it was me. Yeah, it was the weirdest time. You know, I, th- I think Roger Khan's a wonderful piece. I love it. And we brought in Francis Monkman, you know, to play the tap. Well, he played uh, keyboards, and then we brought in a tabla, an Indian tabla player. I played uh, uh, tablas and maybe a couple of other things. And and the reason I sang like that is because I we, we toured with the band Audience. Do you remember them? Sure. Oh. The Lunch Album. Used to hear it on MMR. Howard Worth's voice was amazing. And and so when we did, Raja Khan came up, I thought, well, I, I would like to try and do a vocalese here because nobody was coming up with any words. And I thought, I jumped in quick and said, I think I'm just going to, oh, ah, and I tried to sound like him with my my own, mm. God knows why, I must have been drinking too much wine. And so I don't know. I thought, why did I do that? And it sounded amazing, <laughs> you know, but it worked. I've said, you know, to Rayvon and to Mickey on several occasions, I wish we could do it. It would really be a big surprise for the audience, but it would be so great live, particularly now we've got our own orchestra. You know, but it's then it takes up, it's like, I think it's 10 minutes long. So that's that, you know, we're not going to do it. Maybe in the next lifetime, you know. Now, Prologue is the album I had to go back to rediscover or find because I really got into you guys on Ashes Are Burning. Every song is ingrained, as I say, in my DNA. It's actually in my brain, Annie. Right. But, uh, I always say it's ingrained in my DNA from multiple listens. My my vinyl copy of that is worn down to the white nubs. You know what I'm saying? You're a nutcase then. Yes. <laughs> I was is. nuts for you. That's for damn vouch. sure. You and your fellas. Your band was, I would say, one of my top five, six bands of that period of time. I was just totally into you guys. Don't look at me funny. Blame Ed. <laughs> yeah. Join the nut- I think I might start a club, the Nutcase Club. I'm in. I do, have a, 
I have a and file on my desktop for for not cases. People that write to me with the most ridiculous things, and I put them in the not case file. Outstanding. <laughs> I look at it sometimes, and I think, oh. Well, I'll tell you what. You guys delivered on the ashes are burning. That every song is just like I can. I, I'm I like you know you know what an earworm is, right, Ann? Mm -hmm. An earworm where you hear a song, even though it's not physically playing in the room, you know, Never and heard all these songs like, can you understand carpet of the sun? Let it right. go all right in there in, in my head. And it's, it's probably my, my favorite studio album of yours, as much as I love Scheherazade and, and novella too, and song for all seasons. It's just so fine. Yeah, it was. There's just some good memories from that. I remember we had, you know, used uh, not a full orchestra, um, I would say, but we brought in musicians, uh, classical musicians. So I was in there with in the control room with John Tout when they were started playing, and I think we both started crying. To hear your music with an orchestra was it was. There's nothing like it, you know. Especially it's a lot for a girl from Bolton, right? Yeah. Right. What's wrong with Bolton? <laughs> Nothing. That's just, it's a mill town. That's where you were born and raised, yeah, right? We had, a, we had a cotton mill at the top of the street and a chip shop and a, a cotton mill at the bottom of the street. <laughs> and another and it, was there one in the middle of the street too? Because you had like they had like a hundred of them there at one point. I Talking about the mills of the chip shops, we had millions of everything. <laughs> no, but yeah. I know it was a big mill town. It uh, was. I, I remember when I was really small, and I'd be looking out of the window because we lived like a two up, two down outside toilet, kind of, like a row home, basically. And, that's uh -huh. <laughs> and I used to look out of the window and climb on the sofa and watch all the women, uh, mainly women, thinking about it, going up, going to work, uh, to the mill, and they and when they come back, they've got all this cotton in their hair. I remember seeing that. Was that I mean, frightening as a kid? No, not well, no. Okay, because just, you know, the attack yeah. of the cotton-haired women. <laughs> <laughs> During the time you were with uh, Michael, John, Terry, and John, when you were working on the albums, did you work on each album individually or did songs carry over and did you were you always writing songs that sort of ended up in different places and continually working on them or did no. you focus for each album <laughs> okay not at all not that not that i can remember do remember something like that happening in the 80s um which was of course a whole different era and um, you know not my favorite i have to say um but we do a, a couple extra songs like there was one called africa you might have heard that which is brilliant and that's the only time really later on but no we'd work on an album at a time and um it, it was it just as i said it's not like we we said well let's make this album uh, an hour and a half or something like that and that, so we've got three or four songs to do on one side you know whatever uh, it wasn't planned like it just came out it, and, and I'm just thinking that's why I, I liken it to my paintings because it was it was that's how it felt it, going back I'm thinking about it you know and I'm glad you asked that question but they it just flowed from one to another and, Vic, and Mickey would uh, do a, like a, a basic melody send it down to Betty Thatcher she'd do it very quickly um, and send it back and it was always brilliant that would be that would, we just know when to stop destination
you ever run into a situation where you're in the studio making an album where stuff was not fitting you know because it's a jigsaw puzzle anyway if you have seven or eight or nine songs you got to make them all fit on this side and that side Mm -hmm. did you ever get in a situation where you just couldn't make it work no that's the art of making albums that maybe is lost today because you had to fit it into that little disc yeah no I, I, i i don't remember anything like that it felt like everything was just so easy well, I, of course, I didn't play an instrument, but I watched it. <laughs> yeah. No, but you were involved in the process. I, I was there and I was watching everything, and it just, everything, it was like just a joy That's to it. listen to it. It's amazing. It says everything. I think that, you know, I, I feel like I didn't appreciate it enough then. Didn't take it for granted. I guess I did in a way, because it just all came so easy, like the touring and, and then the recording, and, you know, it's just like this. You feel like it's never going to end, you know. The first, the first lot of albums were so exciting and so brilliant. Some of those songs are brilliant. I think there's material on every album from prologue forward that stands the test of time, and it just holds up. Try to take it all away. Learn her freedom just inside her days. Find a soul to find their fears allayed. Try to make her love their own They took her love, they left her there They gave her nothing back That she would want to own Gold and silver rings and stones Dancing slowly off the moon No one else can know She stands alone things about progressive rock in mass is the bands are all different the textures the sounds the feels the membership the 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 the, the way singing and everything else is approached everything's different but yet somehow there's this large amoeba of bands that have created this feel that you can't always put your finger on but you know it when you see it or hear it and you guys became a big part of that with each album through the 70s through live at carnegie hall and then on to novella and beyond song for all seasons these albums helped to create the legacy that is renaissance mm-hmm. and here we are celebrating 50 years with this amazing box set by the way folks when you get it aside from annie signing it from you you get one of her paintings because the the painting on the cover is one of yours and you are quite the accomplished artist. Is that one of the ways that you've been able to get through the pandemic, painting? Yeah, I mean, it was difficult to paint, to be honest. I did did do some, but I, I, I don't 
paint with a preconceived idea of I'm just going to paint anything, it just pours, it, again, it's like, I don't know where it comes from, but I know that I do, I plug into something, and Betty Thatcher used to say that, she used to sit in a chair, certain chair in her house, and she said, she just plugged in, and she, she said it just came like that, exactly the same as me, but with, through my art, you know. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't easy because I, I, I did have a rough time. I think the hardest thing for me with the pandemic, um, it was losing all the momentum that we'd started back again, back up again in 2009. And then Michael Dunford passed away in 2012 and I carried on. And then it was great. We did Cruise of the Edge. We did the Moody Blues Cruise. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we went to um, Brazil, went to Japan. Um, we went to Europe. We were, and it was incredible. It was wonderful. It was, and I, it was all on my shoulders. Um, well, that's that's a hell of a burden yeah, because exactly. we're not spring chickens anymore. No, so, no. what's it like for you being the one that has to shoulder the burden of well, Renaissance's legacy? I do have Ray Tessa, who's, who's the keyboard player that was in my solo band in the '90s, and then when we reformed the band, Rave was brought into Renaissance. And so he's 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 my confidant, and he give his advice. He's very very clever guy, very clever. But the responsibility of everything else is 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 on me, and it's it's hard. And the the guys in the band, they're just incredible musicians and really wonderful people. Because our music is not easy to learn. Um, if we give them, like, Shahrazad was a good one. You know, it's 27 minutes long, and they give them this piece of music that's this long and they've got to look at it, you know, <laughs> and, and, and learn it. Page turners, please. <laughs> and we'll wonder, they put the heart and soul in it every single tour, every single time when, when new songs and things like that was incredible. And, and I, I did start painting again, um, uh, but I, I, I have to tell you that I probably cried every single day, every single day, and only recently have I stopped. Well, I'll just say this. You have my number now, and you can call anytime you need somebody to talk to. Maurice and I are always here, and we're always nearby if you just need somebody to go sit and have a cup of coffee with him. Oh, that would be nice. So after we get reconnoitered and connected, and are you planning on, on doing the, the final run now, or are you going to let it be or and just yeah. talk to people and do interviews about this wonderful box set? Yeah, well, you know, we, we recorded that in 2019, so... You were on time. By the way, that was the perfect time to record in advance of this kind of a celebration. Yeah, we did it. Right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that was a blessing, yeah. But I was thinking about, uh, you know, retiring um, at the end of this year. It's, it's not that in my voice, I, I still can sing. I still got my five octaves or whatever, but it's taken a toll on my body, obviously, because of my age. But it's just the responsibility is so heavy as well. But I have to have commitments that I have to fulfill, which is the tour of Brazil that was rescheduled four times. And oh. so it's now coming up in March. We plan to do it. It's the, the shows are there. I, I, I pray it happens. Uh, I and I've, I've got a good feeling about it. It's and it's not all that long off, is it? And then we've got the night of the Prague in Lorelei, Germany, and we're headlining there. Um, I think Steve Hackett's headlining the Saturday night. We're headlining the Friday night. They wanted us to go there for years. They, there was never enough money to pay for us to go, uh, but they made they they got enough money to pay for us to go just for one show. It's crazy. And so we signed the contract. Wow. So we're going, cool. you know, 
So that's in July. And then um, Patrick Moraz and I were going to be going to Portugal in May um, of, of last year to do, do the, um, the prog rock thing there, mm-hmm. and we, which we did with Renaissance, actually, in 2015, I think. And it was fabulous. In, in an old cinema, um, the, the cinema looks like it was made built in the 50s, and they made it into a venue. And it was a, a very old village uh, called Gouveia, in Portugal, on top of a mountain, this really old village. It was incredible. Wow. And so the guy contacted me in 2019 and said, would you come over with Renaissance? I said, well, we can't come over just for one show, and it's not as easy as you think to get a tour together. you know." Yeah. And so I said, what about if I come over with, the, you know, I, I, I asked Patrick first, of course, it, with Patrick Moraz. And, and that, so we were going to headline there. We were going to do music from Yes and Renaissance, the two of us. Wow. Uh, plus Ooh. all the laughter and what else goes along with working with Patrick. You know? Awesome. <laughs> he's another nutcase. <laughs> yes, he's in the club. He's in the club. He's I met him. Nutcase club. Oh, that, that's a good idea. I met him when Yes did their 50th anniversary thing here in Philadelphia area. Most of the living members were there. And it was kind of neat. And he was in the area playing a date, and I saw him play that show at the Sellersville Theater uh, not too far from us up right. here in Bucks County and uh, what a great night yes definitely a, a charter member of that club Annie That's oh yeah I, I, I love him to bits you see I understand people like not ca- I, I understand not cases <laughs> I think that's why you know you just there's people out there that are different you know and, the truths uh, that come out, the truths that come out on a podcast, a, ladies and gentlemen. A lot of people don't understand because you're it's because you're on a different wavelength because you're a creative person, you know. Some have it more than others, you know, and, it, and sometimes they don't know how to express themselves. Roy Wood was another nutcase, you know, my, my ex. I wanted to mention Roy Wood. You guys were together for a time creatively and otherwise, correct? Four years. Four years. A lot of laughter there. He was the uh, founding member of ELO, and uh, he was in the move too, right? He, before the move. The yeah, and then of course he did uh, Roy Wood's Wizard. I know that because I was a college DJ in the seventies, Marcus. <laughs> 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 Look, do you know that song he did uh, um, on Mustard? I don't know if you saw. It. That's a solo album he did. It's called. And I just started going out with him, and it was called "The Rains Came Down," and it's the most beautiful song. It's six minutes long, actually. Roy said, "I want you to sing this really high note." And I sound like an electric kettle on the boil. It's oh so, my! But it's a beautiful song. Yeah, I, I just that just popped into my mind. But in the course, then he produced my album Annie in Wonderland, and that was an amazing experience. Oh my god, amazing! We had an we had the orchestra, you know, Luke Clark and the Royal Philharmonic, you know, and then we had um, a, a, a an English brass band on Going Home. And the, and a choir from of Wales that came up, famous choir. There were 65 of them in the choir, and they didn't want payment. They just wanted beer. So we. The 
the, the, the studio was full of beer. Oh, God, it was amazing. You can imagine, you know, they came in, hey, 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 you know, they were all jolly. I spilled and, a little on my robe. Yeah, if you listen to Going Home now, you'll probably, you, they probably might have been drinking during it, but the sound, I was like weeping. It was so gorgeous. When they came out, it was like, yeah, hey, because they were drunk, you know. They didn't yeah. have to drive, they all came in a coach. They were loose. when he heard me singing If I Loved You because he was there mixing What? With, yeah he was, he was there with Linda and Denny Lane in, in the big studio one when they did all the movies and the giant it was like an aircraft hangar actually and they were in there using that the big desk in there and, and mixing wings at the speed of sound and I just and we were in studio three and me and Roy Dick Plant and um I just finished my my proper vocal on "If I Loved You" and, and Roy played balalaikas. Nothing. It's just balalaikas and voice. I just finished and I sat down and then Paul walks in, and um, let's have a listen. Then he said, "Yeah." He said that was noise. He said, <laughs> "No." He, he just said, "Who was that?" And I went, and he said that just made it. It gave me shivers down my spine. That's what he said. Wow. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that, you're that talking was, about getting some encouragement from the bigs at the yeah. time. Oh, he said I should put that in my resume. <laughs> <laughs> Dave he Paul was right. Me the shivers, absolutely. <laughs> oh my dear! Uh, yeah, so it was a, an album full of amazing memories. Just it was just incredible, and and like Nature Boy, like uh, doing the scat singing in there. I'd never done scat singing before, you know. Roy said, "I think I want you, you know, to show your voice off with that." And then I we did it live a few times with my band, and I thought, "Oh God, I hope I'm going to get it right because do 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 you got to get the number right, you know? How many do 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 do? I got it right every time, but it was like just learning things from him. But you know, as a musician, is he's a genius. Mm-hmm. Absolute genius. Wow. You've been around many of them in your career. What's it? I have, yeah. When I look back, I'm thinking, they're all nutcases. <laughs> That's probably why, you know, you attract the people that, uh, you know. Are you the center cog in the middle of, are you? Of the, all the connected to all the nutcases? Maybe. You know, maybe, yeah. I've got to start vortex. a network. Thank you. I'm going to do that. 
Okay. Well, count us in because we just, you're our favorite kind of nutcase. The creative people of this world. I'm going to do. I'm going to get t shirts made up. I'm a nutcase or I'm in the nutcase club. (laughs) And on the back, it says, How about you? That's or or I bet you are too. You know. <laughs> there you go. She is Annie Haslam. This has nothing to do with Renaissance, but we are just having fun with her here on this episode of the podcast. Thanks for talking about your music and opening up about all the stuff that you've done and been through, especially what you've been dealing with during the pandemic. We've we've all had to survive in our own way. Um, I'm lucky. I'm here with Marisa, and Marcus has the greatest little five-year-old, his son, Luca, and his wife, Kim. And sometimes it's hard to be on uh, on your own. I have a number of friends uh, who've been struggling in the last year or so. Do you remember I said to you the other day about this? My friend Kathy gave me this thing she found. I think somebody gave it to her. It was about the brain um, and um, something about different things you can do to help your brain. And one of them was that whenever you get a, a negative feeling that really overtakes you and you're just either angry with somebody or sick inside and anxious, you know, uh, it said when you start to feel like that to actually turn that around you got you have to really focus obviously sometimes it's hard mm-hmm. and just come up with five things that you really love and say them out loud mm-hmm. you know like i love indian curry you know or mm-hmm. anything it's the word love i love mm-hmm. my i love my best friend and i love my cat whatever it might be right. five things that kind of because you're saying the word love which is so powerful mm-hmm. rather than the you know all the anger uh, a negative which is is around us a lot but Very you can much. and somebody else just turned me on to which i've never used before essential oils uh I, and i it, as a gift she gave me this box full of all these uh, wonderful oils and different things and a, a cat that you put in the microwave not a, not a lot but not really a cat you know <laughs> <laughs> and it's got it, <laughs> Does it smell like a cat when it comes out? No, no. Does it, it smell like a, a, a got, litter box? No, it's got rosemary in it, and it's got oats or something like that in it. Oh. And you put it, then it's about this size, and you heat it up, and you put it on any part of your body that's aching. But it's the, it, I, I did that last night, and I felt so good this morning. But the, if you inhale the aroma of rosemary, it's so calming. Mm. But she, this is my friend Elisa. I just met her. She, she bought some paintings from me, and we're, and we're, we're, we're you know, we're basically friends now because that's how I make friends, you know. Right. And um, and she, 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 we were talking about different things, and definitely helped me. And I just did this last night, really, and then I put that cap on the, on the pillow by the side of my bed, on my, and and so I could I could take in that rosemary. They're so yes. powerful. I'm definitely into aromatherapy. Andy. Yes. Really? Oh. <laughs> we all are. Yeah, I totally. am. Mm, garlic cupcakes. Mm. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> garlic cupcakes. Hey, look, we're shilling for a cannabis growing sponsor. When we were talking about uh, what, what, what I'm doing next year is that we are looking into doing some more shows with the orchestra um, towards the end of the year. So that's the plan. It's out there with the agent and the universe. Travel the days of freedom, those leading everywhere. Come with me now and show how you can. 
that's sort of the plan is to do some shows with the orchestra again. Um, so ultimately, the COVID pandemic has forced you to delay retirement plans. Well, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, we have to, yeah. I mean, I, I, I have to do those shows because they've got signed contracts. Personally, I don't think it's going to get any worse. It might be something we're going to have to live with. Yep. You know, for a um, yep. you know, another thing. And just we just got to be careful. We got to think of other people. And, and that's pretty really you've got to be respectful of other Absolutely. people when you're going anywhere. That's the thing. And, and, and that's that seems to be a bit of a problem for some people. But mm-hmm. you can't you can't force people to do things. But that would be something really to look forward to is to is to perform with them again. We have a great time. It's like a 16 piece band. Well, you heard it on the album, didn't mm-hmm. you? Yes. Fantastic sound. Oh, it's, it's it brilliant, isn't it? I, oh, this music is, was made for for, an, for orchestra. So that's the plan. And then um, beyond that, I, I don't know. I'm going to carry on painting. I'm, I'm doing a lot of people love my pet portraits right now. And I can paint, I paint songs. And I, you're getting I, into GK. Is that how you say it? With the, the, uh, G-clay. 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 That, what a G-clay is... Is a, a high quality print of something on canvas, mm-hmm. or, or it? I've been be reading a, up on it because of you. Yeah, it, it, but I uh, usually sell. It's usually the originals that I sell, but people can get gclays of, of ones that I, I don't have anymore. You know. Right. Uh, real quick before we have to wrap up here, what's your website for your artwork? Haslam dot com. Oh, no, no, that's my website. Um, and my, uh, yeah, that AnnieHaslam.com is my website. My Facebook page is Annie Haslam Art. And there's a lot of stuff on there. Renaissance is Renaissance Touring. I am doing a Christmas show at Sellersville this year. I just thought I'd tell you. We'll come and have a, 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 a holiday sip, raise yeah. a glass. Yeah. How's that? That's on December the 18th. And it goes on sale, I think, on the 21st. But I'm looking forward. We, we missed it last year. I've done, I think, eight or nine there now. You know, that audience is full of nutcases. Yes, mm-hmm. always. Start throwing out T-shirts at the intermission. That's right. Sell them at the intermission at Christmas. <laughs> Brilliant. We're working out the marketing strategy right now. Yep. Annie Haslam, our guest on the podcast, thank you so much. I wish I could just put my arms and give you a big old hug. Uh, and I thank you so much for taking the time for us today here on the Ambassador. Oh, I enjoyed it very much. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah, no, thank you. And I hope to see you. Well, you're just around the corner, you know. Yep. So I'd love to meet you in person, Annie, and I hope we can see you soon, and I hope we can see Renaissance at the Keswick or someplace in 2022. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 the plan. Yeah, Good. that would be wonderful. And someone else is calling because it's that kind of day for Annie Haslam, <laughs> our guest on the Imbalance History. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. Fantasypoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 